And it's connected with oral history in the sense that we're dealing with a recording, but we're bringing the recording back to life with the testifier in her presence. So we are performing for her, with her, and that brings a positive impact for her, but also for the performer and for the audience. Hello, and welcome to the Fourth Space Podcast. This special episode was originally part of the Summer Institute, a collaboration between Concordia's Center for Oral History and Digital Storytelling and the Scottish Oral History Center at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland. And we would like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Cayuncahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather, and Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. We will go to Dr. Cynthia Hammond, who will introduce the event and the participants. Thank you for listening. So today's live conversation explores the nature of listening to stories of gendered violence. Please note that while the focus of this conversation is not on the acts of violence that our guest, Julianne Carpini, survived, it is, however, inevitable that difficult themes such as incest, rape, marital violence, and sexual abuse may emerge as they are a part of her life story. So please bear this in mind. So it's my pleasure to introduce the three participants in today's conversation. First, Luis Sotelo Castro is Associate Professor in the Department of Theatre at Concordia University. His latest publications explore listening in the context of post-conflict performances of memory. Julianne Carpini is a speaker and communicator whose desire to speak for sexual violence victims and survivors grew from her healing journey from relating deep traumatic wounds. As an activist in partnership with the Université de Montréal, she is one of five committee members at Experts en Vécu for the research project entitled Salut Trajectoire, Trajet Vie, which addresses major issues with domestic violence. Julianne is currently in a specialized training uh, program at Centre de Service de Justice Réparatrice in Montreal, to accompany victims and offenders in a restorative justice process. And finally, Banafshe Hassani is a first-year performance creation student at Concordia who has been working with Lewis on a research creation project entitled Engaging Performance Audiences as Listeners of a Restorative Justice Process in the Context of Sexual Violence. She will be performing fragments of the recorded interviews with Julie Ann using a technique called headphones verbatim. The selected fragments are delivered by her as she listens on her own playback device. So without further ado, I hand it over to Banafshi, Julianne, and Lewis. So thank you very much, Cynthia. I want to start by just giving you some context of the work that we have been doing. There is a problem with our culture and our standard legal and political systems. We are mostly based on an adversarial understanding of, our, uh, of how we deal with our conflicts, right? So we see uh, in, a, in the context of a legal investigation, uh, the offender 
basically is accused and she or he needs to defend herself or himself. And very often they prefer to deny things because of the very nature of the legal process. And similarly, in our political culture, there is the ruling party and the opposition, and the opposition is constantly trying to look for the weak aspects of the ruling party just to really attack them, right? So there is, it's an adversarial context uh, culture. What happens in that context is that we basically tend not to listen to each other. We don't want to listen why perpetrators committed their crime. The most important thing is you did it, you are punished. You broke the law. Restorative justice is an alternative and offers a space for people to also address the wounds, the emotional wounds, the psychological wounds, and the many unresolved questions that they have because the legal system does not offer the the answers. Uh, So testimonies, oral history, live stories are very important in that context because what people do is they share what happened to them. In the methodology that they follow, they don't necessarily bring the victim with her own offender, but uh, people who experience similar crimes, three victims of the same type of crime, three offenders of the same type of crime, they come together over a seven weeks period. It, time is important. There is a process, right? And um, there is a facilitator or there are facilitators who um, organize uh, the conversation. And in that process, they start to open up their hearts, talk about, like build trust and open up to the difficult uh, questions uh, about what happened. One of the things that uh, I observed when I started to learn about uh, restorative justice is that it happens close, behind closed doors. The public doesn't know about it, about the benefits of that. So we started to collaborate and I told them, hey, how about if we work together to document what happens in a restorative justice process and we share it with the public in the context of a performance. That's how we met with Julianne, who has been a volunteer at the Center for Restorative Justice for many years now. And we met in 2018. Uh, We also met with uh, someone who we will call Jeremy, who is an offender of sexual violence. And together, we work with students to understand what restorative justice is and to document it. Three and a half years later, we're still working on it, now with a different group, not in the context of a class, but in the context of a research creation project. And we are meeting regularly every Friday. And in that context, uh, we are documenting her narratives, recording, listening. And uh, what we will discuss today is we will share with you some of the recordings as performed by Banafshe, and we will then use them as a springboard to have a conversation with Julianne. So I want to invite Banafshe to start. I want to thank you for the life that you breathed in me. I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you that I'm alive. I want to thank you, Father, for this healing journey and all these beautiful people that you placed on my path. and for giving me the strength each and every day. 
through the good moments and the bad moments and the sad moments and the happy moments. Through everything, Father God, I want to say thank you. And God, my prayer is that all that suffering I've been through has not been in vain. And, and that me being able to speak out for others, I ask you please to reach out to those who, who all are hurting or are wounded. And please lead them to you. And I ask you to please do that what you did for me. And I ask you to please bless them and send them all the help they need. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And I thank you. Amen. Thank you, Benafshe. Or should I say, Julian? These were Julian's words. We start very often the rehearsals with a prayer. That's part of Julian's own culture and beliefs and also owns uh, own healing journey. One reason for me to start uh, with this fragment is because uh, Julian thanks God for being able to be here with us and to speak with us and to be heard by us as we will continue hearing. And it strikes me that people who have gone through not just uh, deep pain and violence, but who have also not been able to be heard by others, like by the justice system, by their families, etc., they want to be heard at least by God, or God is that ear that actually hears people who have not or don't find other spaces who are in many ways desperate to be heard. I think the process here is to find ways for Julian to also be heard on earth, not only by God. So let's continue with the next track before Julian says hello to the, the group. I want to thank you for being here and having an interest in this delicate subject, but very important subject. I um, am touched that people are interested in making things known, and I believe in your project and what you're doing, and I find it wonderful. It was like more of a dream that this does exist, and it's nice to know that this does exist, and people do care enough to want to bring something that's real no matter how much it might hurt, but to bring it to the public. And I want to say thank you very much. My name is Julianne. I'm uh, 55 years old. Good morning. So Julianne, are you 55 years old? Good morning and thank you, Vanashi. Uh, <laughs> now I'm 59 years old. Yet uh, hearing these words still touches me today and it still touches me today being here today with you all. and that you're so attentive and listening and you're giving me a space, but it's not only for me, for others who have suffered like me, who had no space. And I want to say thank you very much. Thank you, Julianne. Yes, I think this is a very telling fragment in the sense that we recorded it when you were about to be 55 years old. And at that time you said uh, on X day in March, I will be celebrating, I think you said something like five months free of domestic violence at that stage. 
And we recorded that. And now, four years after, we are still working together. Talk today is precisely to explore, a, if you want, an idea or a claim that I want to make and I want to discuss with you. And that is the idea that the process, the oral history performance creation process that we have been doing can support the healing process of someone impacted by violence, in particular, in this case, by sexual violence, and that it actually matters who listens and how. So that's something we want to explore. Do you want to say spontaneously something about that statement? Well, actually, the fact that I'm with you and everything, that has helped me in my healing journey. Every opportunity and the interest you took. And uh, it, as a person who suffered all those things, and when I was younger, the doors were closed and without having these these moments of people really listening to me and wanting to hear me, uh, this has been part of my healing journey also. We will not focus today on what happened to you or uh, like the many years that you were not heard, but we actually want to focus on when people starting to, to listen to you. And uh, in that process, a number of uh, key stages emerged, right? Do you want to highlight perhaps two or three of those important moments where someone started to listen to you? My heart cry to God was that people... He'd send people my path so that they could help me. And one of those persons was at the beginning of this particular journey, uh, the 28th of uh, March, 2013, when I was able to escape conjugal violence, God opened the door so I could go to a shelter. And from that shelter, they referred me to a place called CAVAC. They help people who have been victims of, uh, of crime. And uh, a lady there who... Well, who took me under her wing, was a very wonderful listener. And uh, her name is Santa Leroy from the Cavac. And she actually listened to me patiently because when I got there, I was a wreck. I had a hard time expressing myself. I was, I, I was crying all the time. And she said, it's okay. Take your time. I'm here for you. Uh, and she was listening and she was very compassionate. And then throughout the, my path, then I had, a, then I I got a, a psychologist who was uh, referred to me that I found, and her too. She gave me a, a nice non-judgmental listening ear, and I also had received a family doctor who was taking good care of me, and I, I was seeing her regularly, and her too. She was a very big encouragement. And then at one time in my journey, I met a. I went to the Calax. It's a center that helps uh, people who have been uh, sexually assaulted. And also they uh, give awareness uh, to the public and everything against uh, sexual aggressions and stuff. And uh, I, was, I went into a group therapy there with other women. And the uh, intervenant, the caseworker who was taking care of us, of the group, well, her too, her name is Guylaine and... She was a loving, listening ear also. So all these people, these resources were listening to me, but also not only hearing, but they were listening. They were very compassionate. 
some of them cried with me. <laughs> Even sometimes I was getting angry. Uh, sometimes I was lonely. I mean, you go through all kinds of emotions when you're on this healing journey. And they uh, they helped me through every step without no judgments, with, without rushing me through either. And that was very helpful for me. Thank you. Thank you, Julianne. Um, you mentioned validation, and I think this is a really important term uh, because it seems in particular victims of sexual violence are very often either perhaps even blamed by what happened or they find it difficult to find validation within their own families. I want us to I want to invite Banafshe to perform for us the third fragment and perhaps that uh, brings us to continue talking about validation. I'm just very touched now because you allow me to come into this place and I see the fruit because that's that's exactly that moment was was a breakthrough in my life because the desire within me was it was never about me and you're giving me this moment because I know how hard it is and I said, God, if you want me to go there, I'm going to trust you to give me the strength to go there because it's so hard. It's so hard to come out and to talk, especially when it's, you know, all abuse is hard to talk about. But when it's in the context of also incest, you know, you're having a risk there, not only that people will reject you on the outside, but those also those who you love because they're not where you're at. It's so hard. It's so hard it brings up things in families it breaks them up the abuse does but also when you decide to get free from that because not everybody's on the on the same journey so it's hard so it's hard to look at the victim even if they're close to you and to talk with them you rather sometimes flee because the hurt inside of you comes up the embarrassment the everything the shame you know the guilt how come I didn't know this? Or, you know, I should have done something. So it is, in some way, it's hard because you still sometimes get rejected. But in another way, it's helping to save other people's lives. And that's what I said, God, you know, I'm willing to go there alone, but I know you're going to be there with me the whole way. If one person could want to stay alive to, and hope in a, in, a, in a better way, because I also sometimes prefer to die because the pain and everything was so much. But in reality, I didn't want to die. I wanted to yuck and the hurt and the pain to die, go, to die and go away. And it was interfering with my life. But I, I needed the strength from God to be able to do this. And I know it comes from him, but it's not about me. It's really about all those who are unable because I know what it's like. I've been there. It's so, uh, but I want them to know that somebody believes in them. Thank you, Banashi. Uh, yes, it is very difficult. As I mentioned a bit, like in, like we heard, because not everybody in, in the family or in the families that go through this are on a healing journey. And it's, it's very, uh, it brings back shame because when it's a loved one that's supposed to be protecting you, that's doing the things, it's hard. You have mixed feelings. 
because you could share love for the person, yet you could go through hatred for what's happening, yet you're, you're all confused. But that's everybody that gets confused. And sometimes it's easier to live like in some sort of denial and just try to keep it. It's so hard. Like you want to keep things together, but when you go and look at the reality of things, it shatters your world. It shatters all that you you want it to be. And you have, I had so many um, uh, mourning to do, so much mourning, so much mourning about uh, I myself at times have chosen deliberately to not work on certain things. I said, oh, I, I know I have to get there, but not right now. I need this energy to concentrate on, let's say, something else in my life. And then I bring it in prayer and I say, okay, God, please create for me an, a space. Now I'm ready to go there. I need a safe space to get there. And God would open doors in my life where I could bring this up in a safe environment so it could come out of me. And that was very important for me too. But it's very difficult. And I had to learn also that uh, I'm talking about what I'm going through, but I know there's a it affects everybody. And, but we're not all at the same space, at the same stage in our healing. And I know how difficult it is because even myself, I in the past have went to some sort, some sort of destructive ways to protect myself from that. It was too hard to accept. But I had to heal from those things too. So now... When I live something, I go directly to God, but I didn't always have that response immediately. But now I have that. I, I go to God. As soon as something comes up, I go to him. I seek comfort. Uh, I, I, he validates me. <laughs> and then I ask him to open the door for that. I could, If there's something deeper that has to come out, well, I ask him for a secure place and to place people on my path. And that's what he's done throughout that but it is very difficult and I could understand that I have a lot of compassion and love for everybody that's going through that the need for being validated but sometimes it's not always the people we'd like to that would validate us sometimes it's somebody else but I could understand the need for the validation from our loved ones but sometimes it's not there we're going to get it and sometimes it's temporary maybe one day we will but I'm glad that God has placed people on my path where I could get this validation. And I could understand uh, how it brings up uh, embarrassment, uh, how it could bring up anger, bitterness, a whole bunch of feelings. It really matters who listens and how, right? So it's interesting that you're mentioning someone else. So it seems we need some distance and distance can matter. But simultaneously, those who listen need to protect themselves because the stories might be difficult. And unfortunately, we know in our culture, one out of four women experience some sort of sexual violence. It also matters that how curious they are, that they show interest, uh, and that they craft questions that somehow help you to continue thinking, reflecting, and uh, speaking out. And for me, it, it helped me realize that, wow, if I hadn't been 
having some of these traumas, I too, at a young age, would have learned to ask healthy questions. And I could understand how how one cannot understand that somebody who has undergone some sort of trauma uh, wouldn't be able to respond in such and such a way. So it was all a beautiful learning experience for me and the discovery because I was going further with that. So it didn't only remain in our, when we were together, it continued throughout the week for me. And it it helped me a lot. So I was saying, yeah, it's, it's so healthy, their questions. It's normal. It's okay to ask questions. Uh, in my environment, it wasn't okay to ask questions. <laughs> so now I, I was like living through something totally different. And I would, those were important parts. And I saw that week after week that uh, the environment, I was able to open up more and go places where I hadn't gone in the past. And I saw how I was growing in that, um, in the space because there was a safe space that was created and it was a beautiful bond that was being established. And that, that was very healthy. Thank you. I wonder if Banafshe wants to say something in relation to that at, the, at this point, in relation to the ability to ask questions during the process. Um, I think it definitely helped me um, because uh, sometimes you listen to the tracks and you don't understand them. Uh, like, how is it that, for example, Julianne went from point A to point B in talking? Like, it doesn't match with my logic so I want to know and um, it it started as being really frustrating because I felt like I was in a position that I had to deliver her language accurately and if I couldn't understand her how could I do that but as we created that space for asking questions was okay that the whole environment kind of changed the whole uh, structure because then it's okay to not to know because then you can ask and you can find it together. And uh, it's not like a job anymore. It's a listening process. I want to know because I like Junian and I know her and I want to help her. So um, it kind of worked on several levels for me to be able to ask questions. Thank you, Banafshe. I think it's uh, very important what you're saying. It's not just listening in the terms of like, processing information that's coming in, but it is part of building a relationship. Active listening is basically to say that you are showing, you are listening, but I call it differently. I want to call it performing listening because in this context, what Banafshe is doing as you are listening to the track, you are not only doing a kind of active listening, but you are actually performing for an audience what you are hearing. And I think that has a very unique power. And it's connected with oral history in the sense that we're dealing with an archive, a recording, but we're bringing the recording back to life with the testifier, with the narrator in her presence. So we are performing for her, with her, and that brings a positive impact for her but also for the performer and for the audience. And I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Space Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
at CU Fourth Space and wherever else you find your podcasts. The podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced by Anna Voklovec. Editing by Chloe Lalonde and Mackay Hawgrove. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstead. Our theme music is courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.